Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to the What's Next podcast, where I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Stephanie Telenius to the show today. She's the founder and CEO of Vita Health, a leading virtual care company that has more than 1.5 million covered lives from Fortune 500 companies and large national insurance payers like Boeing, Vita, Humana, and the Blues. Prior to Vita, she was the Vice President of Global Commerce and Payments at Google, helping to build and launch new products and platforms, including Google Wallet, Google Shopping, and Google Express. Prior to Google, she was at eBay and PayPal for nine years. Her last role there was SVP of eBay.com and Global Product, where she helped build PayPal and lead Marketplace Turnaround. Welcome, Stephanie, to the show. Great to be here. Thank you for hosting me. Of course. We have a little connection, little small story here. Um, I graduated, graduated high school with uh, Pierre Odemeyer. Random. Oh, how wonderful. I love Pierre. <laughs> so he is the founder uh, of eBay and now living his best life back in Hawaii. So good on him. <laughs> and now we have the uh, Odemeyer kindergarten at my at my school. So yeah, they've been very philanthropic. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Well, we're going to start this conversation out today with something I call bullish and bearish. Okay. Um, nothing too painful. A few quick questions. Bullish, you're for it. Bearish, you're against it. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. The first one, robot AI surgeons. I'm bullish. Okay, good. All right. Next one, wearable fitness devices. Well, I would say I'm incredibly bullish because everyone's wearing wearable devices, but I would say they're not as sophisticated as they need to be. So I'd maybe 50 50 on that one okay all right all right and the next one a little more fun TikTok for healthcare. i'm bearish on that one <laughs> all right all right well you know i was sort of thinking that i saw this uh clip the other day about how people are doing like TikTok resumes to apply for jobs and mm -hmm. so then i thought what if it was a little burst of like you know how to eat less sugar and it was like a one minute little video of you know, something fun and makes it more approachable for a different generation. So that that's yeah. sort of what I was thinking. I think consumers can help each other be healthier. I believe in that. But when it comes to real healthcare and really helping people with professional guidance, I think that's a trickier. Uh, you need like licensed medical providers. <laughs> so True that. All right. So, you know, maybe that'll be in the future. Maybe that'll be in the future. Well, you know, you've got such a fascinating story and I want to, I want to kind of back up because I know you've spent so much time in tech and been at the, really the tip of the spirit so much at what many of us use today, whether it be a Google, whether it be at eBay, whether it be a PayPal. Um, and I'm guessing that there's a story that there was a point in time where you say, how can I take everything I know from the tech perspective and apply it to something that's very personal to me, right? This kind of purpose that's driving you. Maybe you can share that story of how you made the transition. Sure. Well, in some ways, most transitions tend to be serendipitous and uh, or a culmination of, you know, many different events in your life. And I would say uh, I was, uh, you know, I was at eBay and Google and, and scaling products to millions of users and really loving those experiences and grateful and blessed to be working with such talented, smart people and having an impact. Uh, at the same time, I, I felt like internally, my internal um, mission-driven uh, self was saying, you know, I need to be contributing in a bigger way. Uh, and it was a very subtle underlying current 
And then um, my father had, you know, sort of a, a, there were several events in my life. I guess one of them was my father had multiple chronic conditions and he had um, the classic, it's very common in the United States in particular, he had diabetes and obesity, congestive heart failure and um, COPD kind of all combined on the physical side. And then he had depression. So these are, these are co-occurring traditional chronic diseases. Some, most time you have physical and mental health together. And I was trying to sort through how to help him from Silicon Valley. I couldn't, you know, um, I wanted to see how he was doing day to day. I wanted to see all his device information. I wanted him to get coaching and help. Uh, and it, at the root of all of these conditions was looking at his sl- stress, his sleep, his nutrition, his medication adherence, uh, his patterns, and the connect and the connections between these conditions, and really trying to um, address, you know, his insulin resistance for diabetes, take him off his meds, you know, help help him lose weight, um, help him get exercise. Uh, really figure out how to help with the depression um, other than just drugs, right? I mean, we knew, you know, he was, and he was on multiple medications, which were also in some cases confusing. And so I couldn't find anything that was like a mobile, you know, real-time solution where he had everything in one place that was really providing human accountability with uh, real-time information. And so I just started prototyping and uh, building, you know, to really solve that problem. And then I realized, wow, there's this massive healthcare industry in our country. It's 20% of our GDP and it is so behind from a technology perspective and we are not serving consumers well at all. Wouldn't it be great if I could apply my marketplace and product and, you know, uh, Silicon Valley, if you will, like building UX design for consumers, really applying great consumer product experience to uh, to healthcare. And then also I have experience like in payments with at PayPal, we had to transform the payment. The, the payments industry, which is a regulated industry. So I had had some experience in regulated markets. And so it just kind of came to be that this, you know, I, I was really passionate about making a difference in healthcare and then looking at how I could um, take the learnings from my father's experience and apply it in a broader scale. Yeah. And I think that of the people I've interviewed on this show and those I've met along the way, that tends to be the same story, right? If you look at Netflix, it's like it's the late fees, right? And that triggered, how can I do it differently? And it was like Square, which was how can I do, right? What kind of PayPal did, but do it everywhere offline, right? And how do I solve that? And, you know, so it's interesting to see um, this commonality between this opportunity that shows itself in your personal life, right? And then you say, I have all this experience on the business side and this network of people um, and your experience at Kleiner, right? On the VC side Mm -hmm. is how can I pull this all together? And when you first sort of launched and said, this is what I'm going to do, what was the initial reaction? I know that you have experience. You had already taken a company called Planet RX Public back in, in 99. So you had obviously experience there, but what what was the initial on this one like in this kind of new reimagined healthcare paradigm? Uh, well, I, you know, in, I think there was multiple stages of reaction. So the initial reaction I had from some um, some people I showed the prototype to was, "Wow, you have to go do this." You know, especially from venture capitalists when they saw it and they saw the the opportunity, they said, "Oh, you, you just have to do this," and you're like the perfect person. You know, people have this perception of founding and they say, oh, you've got to have like all the different components, like, 
you need to have experience in the industry and passion and the right level of experience for that, you know, what you're founding. And I guess I had had um, experience scaling products to millions of users. I had the product in design and UX. I also had running large scale businesses and teams. And so I, I think I had credibility coming into it. But when I showed them the prototype and I showed them the problem I was trying to solve, they're like, oh, yeah, this is you have to go do this. Um, so there was that reaction. I would say once we were funded and then we started selling into uh, large employers and payers, then it was, you know, really absorbing, okay, what is, what is going to happen right now in the next two years in healthcare? How do we, um, how do we lower medical costs? How do we drive a return on investment? Like how do we solve what the pain points are for the B2B customers and learning quickly uh, what the pitch was to the various channels and segments and, um, and just spending a lot of time reading in healthcare because uh, the the incentives are all misaligned, right? So employers, I mean, there's 157 million people in the country that are employed that they cut, you know, their their healthcare is covered, obviously, uh, and so they they really don't make traditional purchasing decisions like a traditional consumer would. Uh, they don't think of it as they're buying their healthcare, and so how do they think about it, right? How do employers uh, decide to offer services like VEDA to their employees? So that we had to do a lot of learning around that. Yeah, and you have taken the approach, which I think is so accurate, and I'd love to hear kind of, I know that over the last, um, you know, two years, 18 months, depending on, on when this podcast launches, right, that we've been in this pandemic, um, that the use of technology community, uh, and the people side of it, aligning those three is, I think, what really differentiates you. Um, because I always get this pushback of, oh, it's, you know, because of where I work, obviously, it's like, you know, technology is trying to replace people. It's like, no, <laughs> it's human and tech, not human alone, not tech alone. It's a power between those two. Uh, and when it comes to healthcare, uh, especially, like I said, over the last 18 months, we've seen this huge gap right in the availability for everyone, uh, especially around um, mental health and depression and anxiety. So this isn't just physical ailments. Um, so I, I said a lot right there, but I think there's so much to be said for triangulating people and tech um, and the physical and mental side of it. Mental health is of huge demand right now. When we entered the pandemic, it was one in five people that had a mental health issue. And now it's one in three, <laughs> one in maybe two, it, the stats keep moving. Uh, we, you know, in our own statistics, when we would take on a population with a large insurance company or employer, we saw sort of 20, 17 to 20% that needed me mental health services. Now we're in the 45 to 60% range. And so it's really shifted. And we grew like crazy last year in mental health. And to your question, uh, you know, really the the ability to bring a human to bear in this situation, like you, you really, it's not just an AI or a bot solution. Uh, you can only go so far in solving the problem with AI and machine learning today. That doesn't mean we don't use a lot of AI and machine learning in our product. And I think you really encapsulated it well. It's this Interest, this intricate combination of the human element. We, you know, everyone who uses our service has a coach or a therapist. Like they have someone on their team. They have asynchronous and synchronous care from an individual. But we're also combining it with this 
um, integrated product that is a day-by-day day day experience. We call it a digital therapeutic, but that means you're getting lessons and tools. And then you're also connecting devices and getting data. And you're in a group and you're getting support from a group. So it is really bringing all those things together that enables us to really provide the right interaction to help with depression and anxiety. And we're seeing you know, over a 50% reduction in those in very short, like three to four month time frame. And, uh, and then we're seeing uh, up to 20% medical cost savings, which is huge for employers. Uh, and so it really does work. And, and it's proven now, I mean, you know, telemedicine spiked during the pandemic. And people, you know, I think it went from like 15% of visits prior were um, in some kind of telemedicine. It went up to like 65% and now it's gone, come back down a bit. And people, some people want to go back to the doctor, but the one thing for sure is that mental health, they're staying with uh, the virtual experience and they love it. They love the convenience of it. You don't have to drive to get to a therapy appointment. You can get, one of the things that we do is provide like instant access. You come in and we're right there chatting with you right away and you're getting a therapy appointment within two or three days. And it's, there's no, there's no gap in service. And you don't have to like, sometimes in the old world, you would get a list of 10 therapists from your employer and you call, you know, 10 of them and maybe eight were booked and maybe two would give you, you know, a potential appointment three months from now. So it, you know, right now in, and so there's this massive mental health access issue in our country and uh, we're really solving for that and that immediacy for the need Post, even post-pandemic, there's still a heightened need for mental health services. Well, I think the pandemic has brought the conversation out of the dark, you know, out of the stigma into a place where, um, you know, people feel safe to have the conversation. I mean, I only can speak about my experience, you know, that that here at Salesforce when I'd say, you know, kind of March was obviously locked down and kind of June, July, all of a sudden we saw a spike in anxiety and burnout and all of a sudden very quickly pivoted towards, you know, launching something daily where people can go and it's either meditation or it's conversation or it's, you know, the tools and not from a, from a medical perspective, but more from a community perspective. Uh, and it went a long way and we still do it today. We have something called be well, that was just private for us. And now we do it publicly. Um, and we do it live streaming across the platforms. Uh, and, and I, it's interesting how often now we have conversations on a call. How's everyone doing? Like the, you know, this more human connection, even though we're so much more isolated today. Um, and so, you know, the other part of this is looking at this in a continuum that it isn't like, you know, you fix something, you learn something and you move on. It's this kind of continuous life cycle. Uh, and, um, I'm going to use an example and I want you to tell the story, but sort of the toothbrush test, right. Of, of, and I want you to explain it, right? The toothbrush test of what you built. And so maybe you can explain to the list sure. what that means. Uh, well, I'll answer both your questions. So I, I think one of the fallacies of um, the US healthcare system is that, you know, you go to your doctor and if you have diabetes, you get medication and you're done. And, and um, we are profoundly behind in treating mental, physical, and uh, you know, chronic disease, and it needs a continuous care model, and it will be much cheaper, much more cost-effective, more more actual medical savings and outcomes if you have this continuous care model like Vita, where you have 
coaches and therapists and social workers and dietitians doing the work day to day with individuals to help them manage these chronic diseases as opposed to physicians. We really want the whole system to practice at the top of their license. So physicians practice at the top of their license, then therapists, coaches, they, they practice the top of license, then bots and AI do the rest. And that's the way we're going to scale access and efficiency and outcomes across healthcare. So we really need a continuous care model, no matter what we do in this country. Uh, and then when you think about, um, well, okay, what does that mean? That means on a daily basis, if you have a chronic disease, whether it be physical or mental, you're engaging with it. You're, you're managing it. And so that comes to the toothbrush test. So I, at Vita, <laughs> at Vita, I always said I wanted to build something that was like that, that had the principles of what I learned at Google and eBay. Um, one of the lessons from Larry Page at Google was this toothbrush test. So he would say, you know, unless you're building products that people use twice a day, like a toothbrush, you're not really embedded in their lives. You're not really having an impact. And of course, people use Google multiple times a day. And uh, when I thought about healthcare, and started building Vita, I realized that we could be the day-to-day -to -day touch point for their health. And if you're managing a chronic physical or mental health condition, we can we can be that touch point. And we are. Today, we see um, three to four touch points a day, and they're opening the app multiple times, and they're really engaging asynchronously and synchronously. And so we, we are passing the toothbrush test, if you will. Well, and I think that's a great you know, nugget to take away, right? If you're listening and you're developing products or you're launching a company and do you want your customers to potentially use whatever you're selling once or twice a day? Is it once a month? Is it once a year? That would change the way you would approach everything, right? Because if it is once a year, like I'm going to buy a filter for my air conditioner, right? In my house and it, I change it twice a year. I'm not going to use it, but I use my air conditioner every day. And so, or my fan, right? And so that you say, well, how do I get further from the filter down to the fan, right? A la Nest, which goes back to Google. But if you, you know, just think about that, you know, and, and you, and if you were a founder today versus when you founded Vita, would you do something differently knowing what we've just gone through the last, you know, 18 months or what you've gone through since Vita was founded? Well, I think the pandemic was an accelerant overall for services like digital health services like Vita, as well as e-commerce and other uh, tech-enabled platforms and services that people can access from their home. So uh, that that has really taught people how to use these services, and they're more convenient and effective. Uh, you know, in terms of the toothbrush test itself, you know, I think you have to when you're founding a company, you have to decide what your goals are. Um, toothbrush test was just a lesson that I had witnessed and learned and experienced. You know, if I think about eBay, for example, you know, people didn't use eBay every day. They would buy multiple things in a year, but their average spend in, on an annual basis was high enough that it was a great business and they had great unit economics. So it really comes down to what business are you in? What are the unit economics? What value are you providing? You know, for in the case of eBay, you might, um, you might be able to find five things a year on eBay that save you thousands of dollars. And that's very valuable to a family. And then people who sold on eBay, you know, they made enough of a living that they put their kids through college or they bought a house. So, you know, there was value both for the buyers and the sellers. And that's real, you know, 
that's democratizing commerce. So there's value there. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to use the product every day. In the case of Google, if people didn't use the product every day, they wouldn't have as much scale as they do. So it really depends on the industry you're in. Is it, be, is it business to consumer? Is it business to business? What's the value? I think the most important thing that founders have a hard time with, and I think it's it's the nature of the beast is, is unit economics. Like what is, you know, how much does it cost you to acquire a customer? How much value are you driving to that customer? And what is the revenue per year per customer? And what do you spend serving them? And what are the, what are the, what's the, the operating margin and the EBITDA? That's really, it's, it's so hard in the beginning to know all those things, but the sooner you settle in on the unit economics, the better off you are going to be. I was just, I just posted something this morning, actually, on why uh, startups fail. Number one was ran out of money, couldn't raise any more money. I think number two was, I'm going to do this from memory here. Uh, number two was uh, no market fit, which I'm like, okay, so why'd you launch? But okay. Three, uh, you know, was they were out competed, right? Somebody, you know, out competed them. And, and, a lot of this has to do with um, this economic model, right? It's kind of like I have an idea, I want to launch it. And, and so um, I'm a huge fan of of kind of jobs to be done as a framework to figure mm -hmm. out, like, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? How are you going to do it? What's the acquisition model, et cetera? Um, but there's also been a huge shift of late where um, many companies have talked about the importance uh, and real focus on the customer, so like in your case, the patient, right? Whomever that may be versus now the employee that works at that organization. And even if you think about what we were just talking about, right? Mental health and all of that, that employee uh, well-being and safety and how do you create culture in this work from anywhere kind of remote world. And you're in a world where it is remote telemedicine, right? It's always going to, how do you create a culture internally in this you know, collaborative world that we're in where people are not in the same building or in the same room any longer. What, what did you transition or change um, as it relates to keeping the culture strong uh, at Vita? Well, culture is so important and so underestimated. And I myself didn't even really realize it until a year or more into founding Vita because I had come from companies like eBay and Google with such strong cultures, but I wasn't there at day one. So I didn't realize that how deliberate you had to be in, in putting together your culture. And um, I've spent a lot of time on looking at the business we're in and the talent we want to attract and the kinds of patients we serve and then how do you bring those together to, to figure out the right culture. And so we've defined our cultural values and we really celebrate individuals inside the company that live those values and we share them at all hands uh, and really try to talk about the cultures. We have like little Slack emojis that we made um, when someone lives and breathes the culture. We, you know, we celebrate them in Slack. Uh, and so we're really trying to constantly reinforce, but also it's an, the, the culture is an evolution. As we grow and change, the culture grows and changes as well. And so it's, you have to, it's like a garden you have to tend to. You always have to be mindful of it. And constantly, as you scale from you know, 50 to 100 to 200 to 1,000 to 10,000 to 100,000, it, it changes. And you have to really tend the garden and really uh, evolve it. <laughs> and so uh, I think it's, it's really underestimated how important it is. Well, I think um, how, so you mentioned something about Slack and kind of the all hands. 
Is there anything else that you changed around kind of keeping the culture strong in this remote? Yeah. So in the remote, so we're, we're remote and we're a licensed medical provider in 50 States. And so we have a lot of remote workers. Um, we have different things we've done. We, we have a connect and commit. So um, you can go on Slack and sign up to meet, just randomly meet people in the company and you have like a coffee. So people meet each other. Um, we did a, um, a mystery, uh, like it was like a two hour Slack event where we, it was like, uh, we were all solving a mystery together on different teams and we had actors and actresses come in and perform. And it was, it was actually really, really well done. Um, and now what we're doing is getting, you know, small teams together outside in a very safe environment. And we're all, you know, making sure we're vaccinated and having small teams get together again. And we're kind of, you know, as we're, we've moved remote, we, we will be opening our San Francisco office at some point post the Delta um, surge. We are looking at ways to create a hybrid model where um, people can collaborate and work together at offsites and in the office, especially around building new products and designing new things, but then have the freedom to work from home. Uh, and so really trying to nail that hybrid experience. I think a lot of people are, are experimenting right now with what the right way to do that is. Yeah. And, and just in full disclosure here, I did not know no, she was using Slack. So <clears throat> this was not meant to be yeah, it's not, a, <laughs> it's not a Slack commercial, but I'm glad you're using Slack, right? That, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, and it's a great use case. I'll have to share it with the team. Um, but, uh, you know, I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? This human and tech, like it's this blend of the two and, and how we can be better stewards of those relationships and connections and collaboration uh, when we're working uh, remotely, but you know, also uh, I feel like it's a it's an opportunity to really level the playing field. I mean, you you have an opportunity to remove a lot of biases and things. Yeah, like and, that. and I think we've really done that. You know, we had some noise before the pandemic about um, folks that worked in San Francisco getting lunch and sort of all the traditional perks of Silicon Valley, and then folks that were working remotely not. And we've we've level set all of that now, and so we are truly a remote workforce. And uh, and now um, we're thinking about how to bring the human connection back to the remote nature. So we're considering that teams should get together quarterly and should have some in person connection that would make it even easier for them to collaborate online. Uh, so what is the right blend of human touch and online connectivity? And then how do we use certain tools uh, to brainstorm online in, in Zoom and in, on Slack? And like, what, how do we use those tools to get to creativity? Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I feel like some days are really great for me, you know, in that, like, I feel connected. I feel I'm part of the culture. I'm collaborating. And other days I feel totally isolated and disconnected, right? It's this, very interesting cycle of, oh, today was a great day. Like I felt like I connected with the team and it was fun and we laughed and we saw each other. And the next day you're like, wow, I'm sitting here by myself. Like, you know, you just don't get that same thing. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful crossing fingers, right? That things um, start to slow back down again um, now that we're in the middle of, of, you know, another wave. But, you know, in, in wrapping this up, Stephanie, this has just been so much fun to have this conversation with you. But you know, what would you leave the listeners, um, you know, as things that they can do to take more control over their health, you know, and their well-being and their mental health, you know, regardless of, you know, whether they're a Vita client or not, you know, but what can they do? And, and then for those listening who really want to maybe even 
We got a lot of people thinking of leaving where they're working, right? And starting their own business. I'm going to take that on two sides, sort of the mental health, well-being, healthcare question of what can people do better? And then uh, other side of the coin of, of, you know, sort of following their passion and path that maybe was sparked during this last 18 months. Two really good questions. So for the health one, I would say figure out what your health priorities are and put them first, and it will help you be a better parent, a better leader. Uh, it, it is imperative. It, you cannot, you cannot, you, you cannot deprioritize it. So whether it be getting seven hours of sleep or exercising every day or eating healthy, you have to do it. It's not a choice. Um, and I think we all underestimate, we have this like work, 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 hard, work, hard culture, be the best parent I can, but put myself last. And I would say, uh, put your oxygen mask on first <laughs> and prioritize your health. Uh, and then for founding, um, you know, dig into a problem that you are really passionate about and understand um, what is missing today and how you can do a better job of building a better, better product, a better solution that really helps people. And then go deep into the industry and the structure of the industry and how you can disrupt it and what the unit economics are and read as much as you possibly can before you start anything and really uh, do your homework so you know you're starting something in the right in the right area. Well, this has been fantastic, Stephanie. How can people keep in touch and, and learn more, not only about, you know, uh, Vita, but what you're up to and what you're talking about? Because I think uh, you've got such an amazing uh, place in the in the ecosystem of sort of health and well-being and work. So how can people keep in touch with you? Well, I'm on Twitter, uh, S. Telenius, and uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, and you can email me at stephanie at vita.com. No TikTok. I don't use TikTok. <laughs> We're going to change that. I feel like, I feel like you're going to like go to your kids and be like, or somebody be like, okay, let me check out. My kids, my kids don't use TikTok either. Even well, they use TikTok on Instagram. Uh, they see a lot of TikToks and we, w during the election, we watched a lot of TikToks, but they've gone down recently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining me today on the What's Next podcast. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you everybody for joining us. What a fun conversation with Stephanie. It was just very unusual, right? Somebody who comes out of tech, has a personal situation, finds a business need that was unmet and creates a company that is extremely successful in bringing uh, more equal health care to those of us around the U.S. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope you were inspired on multiple levels. Uh, thank you for listening in to the What's Next. Don't forget to subscribe, share with your friends, leave some feedback, connect with me anytime, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.